It's time to go beyond the headlines Cause I don't put in overtime just so I can headline Okay, now it's Fox Sports, I'm live with Renee Going hard every day, sports rapping every play Different segments for your favorites Coming at you daily with positive vibes Yeah, we some game changers Basketball, football, soccer With different interviews, you never know who may pop up Listen, only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines This is Beyond the Headlines With Renee Washington Hi everyone and welcome to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington I'm your host Renee and I am so excited to have you guys tuning in today I have been waiting for this show to premiere for what feels like forever, and I'm excited to bring you a weekly sports wrap on this show where we get into soccer news that could be international and American soccer on the men's and women's side, basketball, everything from college hoops to the NBA and WNBA, in football we've got NFL talk plus some college football, and then each episode we will have a positive vibes only segment where I will highlight someone that is doing something positive in their community to make an impact in the world around them. And then at the end of each show, we got to end on a high note, of course. That's with music. So each week, we will have a different musical guest making an appearance to drop one of their latest singles and sharing some tunes with you guys so you can end the show bopping and dancing. But this week, as we start off the show in our first ever episode of Beyond the Headlines, we've got quite a lineup for you. From out of L.A. to weigh in on the NBA free agency, we've got Brian Oringer, an NBA analyst, and media personality to also talk NBA plus get into football as we get into the offseason and prepare for the beginning of preseason in the NFL. We've got Tyler Dragon, Cincinnati Bengals beat reporter and in soccer from the Premier League AFC Bournemouth goalkeeper Asmir Begovic joins the show to discuss his career, the Premier League and also his foundation that he created. Now over in Positive Vibes Only, We've got Dr. Nicole Rochester sharing some health tips with you guys. You don't want to miss this. This pediatrician and author has been sharing tips for not only just student athletes, but people of all ages and demographics. And you can hear some information on what she's got to say. Plus, to close out the show, you heard him in the intro. You'll hear him throughout Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington as he created all the music for the show. My guy from out of Atlanta, Georgia, New Breed Nye, is closing out the show with a hit that you don't want to miss. So... Sit back, relax, and enjoy the very first episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington here on Fox Sports Radio, 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, and across iTunes. You can follow us on social media. Shameless plug, we are on all social media, guys, at Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. There's also a YouTube page. We have a website. And, of course, you can follow me, your host, Renee. I am personally on social media. On Twitter, I'm at Renee P. Wash. And on Facebook and Instagram, I'm at Renee P. Washington. So, guys, I can't stress this enough how excited I am to bring you everything, hopefully, that you're looking for across sports, news, music. It's here on Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. So, enjoy. I've got, I hope you have some popcorn. Your headphones are in. You're comfortable because we've got a great show up ahead. This is Beyond the Headlines. Listen in. What up, though? Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Joining me now to get into what's going on across the NBA from out in Los Angeles on the West Coast, we've got Brian Oringer, analyst and media personality. 
and also you might know him from Scout with Brian. So, Brian, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us. Appreciate you having me. No problem at all. There's so much going on in the, in the NBA. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, since you're in L.A., I guess we'll start there. We'll go with the, the Lakers up first. There have been a number of changes as of recent. We know Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins joined the team. We've got Danny Green, Quinn Cook, of course, LeBron James. And most recently, the news that LeBron James will actually be starting as point guard. Chris Haynes released that earlier this week. What are your thoughts on the Lakers and how they are going to bounce back this season after last season being a team that couldn't even make the playoffs? Yeah, I think they'll be. I think they'll be a lot better. I think they, uh, you know, obviously will be a playoff team. I, I currently, you know, I think they'll be top four in the West. I, I think they're a little bit worse off uh, than the Clippers, and missing out on Kawhi was, you know, a pretty big blow to them. But uh, they've rebounded reasonably well. You know, I like uh, I like Danny Green. I, I don't love how much money they're paying him, but uh, you know, I like Bradley. I like getting Boogie on the minimum. Um, you know, so w- with LeBron and AD, obviously you have two superstars, and I think they've done a nice job filling out the roster with some good role players. But, uh, yeah, for now I do think the Clippers are the uh, the team to beat out West, and they, they've they kind of put together the, the real super team out there, um, you know, while the Warriors are going through a little downturn, and uh, I think it goes goes through L.A. next season. Yeah, you bring up a couple of good points that really stand out to me. Uh, for one being the Warriors, we do – and this is something I've been talking about the last few weeks, especially once we saw KD and Clay Thompson go down. And of course, KD's no longer even on the Warriors team. But it seems like the dynasty has ended and there's been a shift in the league. And that's what we're seeing now with the Lakers. You talk about the Clippers picking up Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, alongside players like Beverly, Patrick Beverly. So we have a shift in, in who the top teams are. And one of my concerns, the Lakers, were their health issues. I mean, we know Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins had suffered really big injuries um, and Achilles. And we also know LeBron James being older, don't know what his health is going to be like for the extent of the entire season. So do you think that the edge that the Clippers have over the Lakers, aside from maybe a little bit more youth than Paul George and Kawhi, is the Kawhi factor? Yeah, I think – you know, Kawhi alone, if he had gone to the Clippers, obviously would have made them a, a huge threat and a, uh, you know, a title-type contender, seeing as he just took, you know, Toronto to a championship almost uh, by himself. But, you know, on top of that, to get another real superstar in Paul George, you know, I think they might have uh, probably two of the best, you know, if not the two best uh, two-way players in the league. You know, you talk about guys that play both offense and defense and are really elite uh, at both ends. I, I think Kawhi and and Paul George are probably at the top of that list to me, you know, and then obviously you couple it with the guy in Lou Williams, a uh, six-man of the year, you know, uh, Harrell, who w- probably would have won six-man of the year if not for mm-hmm. his own teammate. You know, they've got a, a phenomenal bench. They've got some uh, some good young talent uh, like Landry Shamet. Um So, yeah, you know, I think they've just got a, an incredibly – uh, deep team, and uh, you know, I, I think to add two superstars to what was already, you know, a competitive playoff team is just uh, going to make them pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I think one thing that stands out with me for the Clippers is the fact that they were able to beat the Warriors when the Warriors were at full strength. I mean, I know we always, as analysts, we're always going back and forth if this has happened, shoulda, coulda, woulda, if Kevin Durant had stayed healthy, if Clay Thompson had stayed healthy. But at the end of the day, we know the Clippers had that underdog group that we're able to beat them, quote-unquote, at full strength. So when you add pieces like Kawhi and, and Paul George, it does make you have to think, especially seeing how Kawhi was able to lead Toronto to 
their first ever championship. So this is definitely a championship caliber team. And wouldn't that be something for Kawhi to go from leading Toronto to their first ever championship in one year and then now coming to the Clippers and leading them to a championship in his first year with them. So the L.A. versus L.A. battle is one that's going to be exciting to watch. I know I'm hoping to maybe even get to a game. Forget just watching, get to a game. But um, so you have those two teams as your top two teams in, in the West, possibly. I mean, what what are you predicting in terms of rankings for the West? Because there are also teams like Utah, Denver, um, that are some sleepers that we cannot overlook. Yeah, I, I think right now, actually, the the way I think I listed it so far was, uh, you know, I think I had the Clippers first, followed by Houston, Utah, uh, and then the Lakers. You know, and but it, it'll always kind of change and go up and down. You know, you look at the standings last season, the Golden State was the one with 57 wins, and Houston was the four with 53. You know, I, I think there's not uh, not a great deal of separation between those teams. I think Utah, uh, Ann and Conley, obviously, is, is a huge missing piece at the point guard position that they needed. Um, you know, they they got Bogdanovich, a couple other good guys. That's, you know, led to a good offseason for them. I think Houston... Um, you know, hasn't done a whole lot, but they've they've always kind of been on the brink of uh, of breaking through, and and maybe the best thing for them was to kind of have some continuity when everybody else was shifting. I, I think they still, you know, have one of the best guys in the league, obviously in Harden, and a and a pretty deep team. So yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, there's, there's Denver, there's uh there's Portland, you know, there's some other good teams that'll be there as well. But I, I do think the Clippers are kind of my my top tier, uh, just about now, you know, by themselves. And then I think, uh, you know, between the Lakers, between Utah, between Denver, Houston, um, you know, I think there's a there's a bunch of teams that that could challenge them potentially, and they're are probably just a notch uh, below below the Clippers right now in my mind. Definitely, definitely. And of those teams that you mentioned, um, it is by no surprise that you did not mention OKC, and once. Paul George went from saying he wasn't going anywhere to uh, requesting a trade and going to the Clippers uh, as we heard rumors that Kawhi kind of restocked him and, and encouraged that move. But Russell Westbrook has been a big question as of late. What is going to happen to Russell Westbrook? Personally, I've been seeing, um, or in my opinion, I would think that he's going to also request a trade. Just don't know who's going to want him, who can afford him, and what team best fits for him. So I'm going to ask you. What are your thoughts? I mean, I think he has to get out of OKC. It looks like they're going to be in rebuild mode. But what team do you think is the best fit for Russell Westbrook moving forward? I'd, I'd probably go with either uh, Houston or Miami. I, I think those are two teams that, uh, you know, right now Miami went out and got a superstar in, in Jimmy Butler, and I think that that makes them a playoff team. But if, if they were to add, uh, you know, Russ to that team as well with Jimmy Butler, I think that makes them – uh, a top of the East team, you know, a team that could potentially uh, give Milwaukee a, a challenge and give Toronto those teams that have been at the top. I, I think that would put Miami right there with them. And, you know, similarly in Houston, like I said, I, I think they've had a, a pretty quiet off season. But uh, if somehow they were able to, you know, maybe package Chris Paul or, or some of the contracts that they have, um, you know, to get an upgrade and a guy that's played with Harden before, um, you know, in, in Westbrook and, I think would give them a, a huge jolt and a, a guy just with that nonstop incredible energy he plays with. Um, you know, I think that those are two great potential spots for him. And I, I do agree with you that uh, as loyal of a guy as he is, and as long as he's been there, I think is you know time to get out of there. And they're going to be kind of in a 
rebuilding mode for the next few years. And, yeah, I think Houston, Miami, maybe even Detroit as a dark horse. I, I think there's a, mm. a few good teams in the league that could potentially, uh, you know, find a way to make that salary work and uh, be upgraded pretty strongly by uh, his addition. Yeah, yeah. I I think that the, dis- the discussion I've been seeing the most have been Houston or the Heat. Um, I have heard some other names that have popped into that discussion, but – it, is, it would be really interesting to me to see, first of all, OKC, we know, has had a ton of talent that has come through their, pro, their franchise over the years. And you look at the fact that they have had on their team and lost players like James Harden and Kevin Durant, but to have James Harden reunited with Russell Westbrook, when we know back at the time, I mean, James Harden was sixth man. You know, that's what he was, he was for OKC, whereas as soon as he went to Houston, he broke out as being a top player, MVP caliber player, in the league and one of the, the best players in the league. So to see them reunited at, after these years would be something that I think I'd like to see. I, I just don't know about with the Heat, with Jimmy Butler going on there expecting to be the man, if it makes sense to bring Russ in there. But I do think that Houston could make sense if they can somehow share the ball. And we saw Chris Paul uh, and James Harden struggle with that offensively at times because they're two different types of, of attackers. You know, James, James Harden's more of an ISO guy. And Russell Westbrook and James Harden together, that could be really good or that could be really tough to watch. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens on that one. <laughs> this yeah. could be very It'll be an, fun to watch. Yeah. Sorry to yeah, no, it'll, somewhere. It'll be an interesting dynamic for sure. I, I think, uh, you know, with, with Russ, I, I think it'd be, like you said, interesting to see if he's willing to, to take a backseat to Harden after – you know, like you said, he played with a, a young Harden who was kind of third fiddle there and, and was the sixth man, like you said, to, to KD and Russ. Um, you know, Jimmy in Miami, I, I think, uh, yeah, he's going there expecting to be the guy, but at the same time, I think Jimmy, you know, he's so competitive, he knows you need two superstars probably to win in the league. So I'm mm-hmm. sure Pat Riley, uh, you know, sold him on the vision of, of adding another star with him at some point. And, you know, uh, I, I believe at least that he gets along well uh, with Russ and, you know, yeah, that that team is is solid. They've got some solid role pieces, but aside from Jimmy, you know, they're really their second best player right now. Might be you know Winslow or Drogic. You know, I I think they they really could use uh, Russ's addition, and uh, I think Jimmy would would understand that and be willing to to play alongside a guy of his caliber. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You definitely need two superstars in this league, and I know everyone always tries to say players like Jimmy Butler, or James Harden, are guys that want the ball in their hands, but these are also guys that want to win. So at the end of the day, they're going to want to do what's best to help them win games and, and reach the playoffs and possibly compete for a championship. So switching over to the East Coast, because um, there have been some changes there as well, starting with Brooklyn. The Nets have now picked up Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. We know Ky- uh, Kevin Durant is not going to be able to play this upcoming year, and we don't even know how long it's going to take him to get back to 100% if at all, which is something that we saw teams opt out on picking him up for that reason. So – the switch of the East now becomes you have the Celtics with Kemba Walker, you've got the Nets with Kyrie and uh, Kevin Durant in years to come. You still have the Sixers with Ben and Joel Embiid and the Bucks with the Greek Freak. How do you think the shift in the East is going to affect who the top team is coming out of the East now that Kawhi is no longer there? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's Milwaukee's conference to lose right now. Still, you know, I think uh, mm-hmm. obviously winning sixty games, being the one seed last season, I, I think they, you know, had a great chance to to make it to the finals, but were held back a little bit by uh, 
by Giannis not being able to hit shots uh, just yet outside of the paint at least. And I, I think that's going to be, you know, a huge off-season focus for him uh, to really work on that jumper. And I, I think, uh, you know, they're the team to beat, obviously. But, yeah, I think right below them, I think Philly, um, you know, maybe got a tiny bit worse, but they're still going to be right there. I think uh, Boston, I, I think Kemba's an upgrade, um, you know, over Kyrie or at least – the version of Kyrie that we saw last season, uh, but losing Horford's a pretty big blow to them. Uh, I'm pretty high on Indiana. I, I think they, uh, you know, in getting a guy like Brogdon, uh, getting Jeremy Lamb, getting T.J. Warren, I, I think they've they found a way to upgrade the roster, you know, around Oladipo, and it's still a, a really young team. You know, it has Sabonis, has Miles Turner, has, you know, a lot of young, uh, improving guys, and I think they could really surprise some people and be one of the top two or three teams in the East. Um, Brooklyn, I, I do think, you know, they'll be a top four seed, but like you said, you know, without KD at least for this first season, I, you know, it, it's pretty much, uh, you know, it's similar to the Boston team we saw last season, honestly. It's, yeah. It'll be pretty Kyrie-centric. Um, you know, I like some of the role players. I like Torian Prince. I like uh, Levert. Uh, I like Joe Harris, you know, but aside from that, it, it is pretty much Kyrie's team and the, uh, yeah, you know, we, we saw that obviously be okay in Boston last season, but really struggle to to break through in the playoffs. So I, I think, uh, you know, for them to really get over the hump uh, this season, I, I think they're really going to need Kyrie to, to step up and, and be the superstar he's capable of being. And I know he, he does that some nights, but uh, he hasn't done it every single night. He hasn't done it from a leadership uh, perspective probably as much as he needs to do. So, yeah, you know, I think they have great potential, but in, until KD is able to play, um, you know, I think they're in that, that Philly, Boston, uh, Toronto, Indiana-type mix and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, don't really have that second superstar to get them over the hump until uh, until he returns. Yeah, well put, very well put. So then as of July, as we're having this conversation, we know that the uh, NBA playoffs, definitely the championship, are nearly a year away. But I'm going to just ask you now on paper looking at the changes that we've seen so far the trades the draft pickups different things like that who is your prediction to come out of the east and the west of course this is just a shot in the dark right now because who knows you might be very right or things could change drastically and maybe it's not the same two teams that we're talking about right now but what would you or who would you think would come out of each of those conferences yeah if i have to pick now i'd probably like I said, I think smart money is on the Clippers. I think they're they're the best team in the league, and uh, you know who I would definitely favor right now to come out of the West. And um, you know, in the East, I, I do think Milwaukee probably has the best chance, but uh, I do think it's it's a real mix there. And you know, the West as well. I, I think you know between the Clippers, between the, the Lakers, between Houston. Uh, you know, I think there's a lot of teams that that have the potential, and, and the parity in the league is uh, is at an all time high and, and really really good right now. But yeah, if I if I had to bet right now, I, I'll go with uh, Milwaukee against the Clippers in the finals. All right, Milwaukee against the Clippers, two completely different teams that we saw than we saw last year, and uh, that's part of the excitement of what has been going on with the whole sw- change up across the league. Is it's now anybody's league again? It's exciting. So, Brian, thank you so much for joining us on our first episode of Beyond the Headlines. Let everybody know where they can follow you on social media because you're always posting some insightful, informative tweets and things like that, uh, updating people on what's going on across the league. So what are your social media handles? Yeah, just uh, Scout with Brian on Twitter. Uh, Brian is with a Y and scoutwithbrian.com. 
um, both those they can find pretty much all my uh, YouTube videos and all the uh, all the analysis and content I've had to date. So definitely really appreciate you having me. No problem. Thank you so much. That's Brian Oranger from Scout with Brian. Welcome back to Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. Joining me out of Cincinnati, we have Bengals beat reporter for the Cincinnati Inquirer, Tyler Dragon. Tyler, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on today. I appreciate it. No problem at all. No problem at all. I'm excited to have you on for our first episode of Beyond the Headlines to weigh in on, let's start off with the Bengals. And, uh, the first episode, huh? That's a lot of pressure. I was going to say, you've got to <laughs> set the bar high. It's, it's a lot of pressure, no pressure all at the same time. <laughs> but, yes, you are no pressure, but you're the first, our first episode, one of our first guests on our first episode. So, yes. Okay. Well, <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> all right. So you work with the Cincinnati Bengals. You get to follow them closely. Them being in the AFC North, we're just going to jump right into it. In the AFC in okay. general, obviously, a ton of talent, but specifically for the Bengals who – Underachieved, we'll use that word. That's the politically correct word. Last season, and facing teams like the Cleveland Browns, I mean, what has to happen for them to be a top team in the AFC moving forward? Well, see, last season the Bengals were marred by injuries. AJ Green got hurt. Andy Dalton was hurt. A lot of the uh, linebackers were hurt. So, hopefully, this year they have a good deal of help. I know with football, you know, people are always getting injured here or there. Mm-hmm. So. First and foremost, the Bengals have to stay healthy, and it hasn't started off too great with their first-round pick, Noah Williams. He's out for the season, so the Bengals have to reshuffle the offensive line a little bit with him um, out. He was slated to start at left tackle this year. So hopefully that's the last injury the Bengals have to deal with this offseason, and if they have a um, good bill of health, I believe the AFC North is wide open. Um, obviously the Cleveland Browns are getting all the headlines, but you don't win football games by getting all the headlines. Um, the Ravens, Ooh, they I have like a, a good team. Obviously they won the AFC North last year with uh, Lamar Jackson leading the way. But Lamar Jackson, he's not a polished pocket passer, and in today's NFL you have to be able to – throw the football consistently to win games. And we saw in the playoffs when Lamar Jackson faced the Los Angeles Chargers, the Chargers took away his running ability and he was not able to beat them with his arm. So with the Bengals, the Ravens, the um, Cleveland Browns, and then obviously over-liable Pittsburgh Steelers, Mm -hmm. you feel like they are always in the thick of things in the AFC as a whole. Uh, but they lost a lot of talent in the offensive end, too. So through, mm-hmm. through it all, going into training camp here in the next couple of weeks, I firmly believe the AFC North is wide open. Hmm. Okay. I, I, I could definitely see that. I mean, we definitely know that Pittsburgh is going to be a team that's going to take some time to, to bounce back from their, their offseason changes. Cleveland, bring, you know, with Baker Mayfield, with having OBJ, Right now they are the talk of the town, so to speak, but you definitely can't sleep on the Bengals. 
I even was just saying you, you bring up injuries. Carl Lawson who's coming back after a torn ACL, and he's he's a good edge rusher. He was even saying on um, Good Morning Football how Aaron Rodgers is the easiest or easier, I should say, to sack than most quarterbacks. But talking about injuries, that's a big part of this. You know, you look over the history of, of last season, not even just with the Bengals, but across the league. I mean, me being an Eagles fan, got to look at Carson Wentz. It just changes so much if you have, you know, players going down, especially your, your, your better players, your leaders. So that's something that hopefully the Bengals can overcome. But who do you think would be a top, the top teams in the East as of – I'm sorry, the AFC. I'm still on basketball talk. As of today, <laughs> <laughs> if we look across the board on paper without injuries, which we know will happen, but we don't know who will get injured, who do you think is coming out of the AFC? Okay, well, before I answer that, we do have to circle back to your Eagles fandom uh, <laughs> soon. <laughs> oh, boy. But my top teams in the AFC going into training camp, this is just off the top of my head right now, just going based off last season and the rosters that the teams have accumulated going into training camp. I have the Patriots still. They're defending Super Bowl champions. You cannot count out Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, obviously. Absolutely. I have the Chiefs. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to have another stellar season. Um, the, and Tyree Kill, as he gets his head together and has less off-field problems than is productive on the field. He is one of the best receivers in the National Football League. He is certainly the fastest wide receiver in the National Football League. And then I have the Los Angeles Chargers. I know Chargers don't get a lot of publicity, but they have top to bottom arguably the most talented roster in the entire NFL. So Chargers and two, I mean the Chargers and the Chiefs and the New England Patriots are my three front runners in the AFC right now. Oh, I like that. Okay. I do. I actually agree with, with all of your points. I think the Chargers are a team that we saw last season um, just how dangerous they really can be, you know. And I think that the hardest part really just comes down to injuries, and that, that's something that, has, that continuously shakes up the trajectory of where teams are going to end up. You know, you look at torn ACLs, broken collarbones, whatever it may be, these injuries that happen that have, whether it's a quarterback, it's the leading pass rusher, whatever it is, that really just sets a team back. So it's always hard to really predict what's going to happen because in this sport, injuries are such a big part of the game. But why do we have to get into the Eagles? Are you going to hate on my Eagles? Is that what you're going with that? You're going to call my show have, and hate on the Eagles? Well, since you're an Eagles fan, like, do you believe in Carson Wentz? Do you? Think, are you happy with the team's decision to move forward with Wentz and let's fold packing to the um, Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, how, how do you feel about that as an Eagles fan? Well, first of all, I didn't know we were on Beyond the Headlines with Tyler Dragon, but <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I love it. Um, I, I've been an Eagles fan, partly being in Jersey, you know, there's always a split of Giants versus Eagles fans. Where do you, what team do you support? The Jets aren't really in the conversation, although maybe now they will be. But for me with the Eagles, having watched how, they, how things have played out over the last few years, losing Nick Foles to the Jaguars, was that hurt. That, that really hurt because he's someone that obviously in our Super Bowl 
um, and in even last year, as Carson Wentz went down, he stepped in as our knight in shining armor. So there, it's a little knight scary without him. Armor. <laughs> yes, yes, Saint Nick, save the day. So it's a little scary without him being on the team because you know with Carson Wentz going down with an ACL, as we saw with. Carl Lawson on the Bengals and with other players. When you tear an ACL, you're, you're at a high risk to, to get hurt again. And then we saw him have back problems last year, and he seems like he's been a little bit more injury prone. So with the longevity of the season and with him being a, a quarterback that likes to run the ball and not just throw the ball in the pocket, there are concerns over his health. But, you know, bringing in a player like Deshaun Jackson, who's, who is older in his career but is a true Philly player that, Eagles fans will rally around and the team will rally around, you know, and you have players like Malcolm Jenkins and Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz still there. I'm excited for the future of the, of the Eagles, but I'm, I am still nervous because I just saw a different Eagles team when Nick Foles was on the field. I don't think he's, he would be the guy to lead our franchise, but I just think he brought something when he stepped on the field when we needed him to help boost, you know, help us play at a different level. So I think Carson Wentz has had potential to be a top quarterback in the league. I mean, you, you talk about Patrick Mahomes and players like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. He's a tremendous quarterback if he can stay healthy and if he can see the field. And I think that's the biggest thing that has to change for us to be successful this year. He's got to see the field. He's got to see more of his passing options. And he tends to rely heavily on Zach Ertz. He's got to see more, more of his receivers and players. So I don't know. We'll see. But I'm, I'm feeling lucky. <laughs> well, see, I asked that question since you made it known that you're an Eagles fan. But, see, I did used to cover the Cowboys. And going Ooh. into this season in the NFC East, I used to tell Cowboys fans that I believe the Eagles are a dark horse team in the entire NFC because of Carson Wentz. I am a Carson Wentz believer. I believe he's the best quarterback in the division. And I like what the Eagles did this offseason with the acquisition of Deshaun Jackson and the moves that they made on defense. So I think the Eagles have, uh, are the front runner to win the division. There have been back-to-back NFC East uh, division winners in a while, as well as the Rams coming out of the uh, NFC West. And you can't forget about the Saints. The Saints have revenge on their minds after that terrible blown call Oof. in the playoffs. Yeah. So it's, uh, those are your predictions coming out of the NFC. I think mm-hmm. you just segued right into my next question perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I do think there's a lot to be said about the Saints, and you talk about um, last year with that incredible no-call that happened. I mean, how much does last – and every year there's always a team that, that you know, comes close to winning and, and loses, you know, whether it's – the Patriots losing to the Eagles in the Super Bowl or last year with the Rams. Who do you think learns the most from last year's playoff run? doesn't have to be, you know, the Rams. It could be someone that got knocked out early in the season. could be the Saints with that call that still to this day is controversial, and I think New Orleans fans would probably fight you if you bring it up. Um, <laughs> which, which team do you think had the most to gain from their postseason run last year, if that makes any sense? I have to circle back to the Chargers. Uh, Last Mm, season was the first year in a while that they had some expectations, and that was a team that was young, uh, with the exception of Phillip Rivers, but 
everybody around Phillip Rivers was pretty young and inexperienced in the postseason. So they had a little bit of success. They won the wild card game over the Ravens, mm-hmm. and then they traveled up to New England and got their butts kicked. <laughs> so I believe that experience is going to help them going forward and knowing that this year during the regular season they have to play every game with the expectation that, you know, home field advantage is valuable in the playoffs. And mm, also knowing that the Kansas City Chiefs are a force to be reckoned with in their in that same division. So winning the AFC West is going to be crucial for the Chargers, not only just because you have home field advantage, but then you have teams like the Patriots, teams like the Ravens, teams, you know, like the Steelers or whoever comes out of the AFC North, whoever comes out of the AFC East and so on, that if you get a wild card seed, you're going to have to travel east or you're going to have to travel somewhere. Exactly. And the Chargers, being a young team, that might not be beneficial for them. I, I like that, actually. I do I do tend to agree with, with what you're saying because I feel like both divisions are very competitive, don't get me wrong, but I, I just love watching the, the battle unfold with the top teams in the AFC specifically with Kansas City, New England, the Chargers. So I don't know. We'll see. Do you have any predictions if, as of July who we would be seeing in the Super Bowl? In, in you, February. Ask me that in July. Ooh. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> because this is like a true trust test. <laughs> Can you could, go could, based, could I, I mean, answer? of course. I'll, now, I'll this make is you a on promise. Paper. How about, how about I'll make you a promise. I'll be, I'll be on on a later date, and I will tell you on a later date. I can't answer <laughs> that in July. There's, there's, there's too much that can happen throughout the season. I can't, I can't say um, the six teams that I did mention, I am confident in either one of those six teams winning the Super wow. Bowl. So the Patriots, Chargers, and Chiefs out of the AFC, and the NFC, the Rams, Saints, and Eagles. I'm confident that it, it will be one of those teams. I'm just not comfortable enough to pr- make that bold statement in July. <laughs> in July. So then I guess I can ask you if we switched into the NBA to make a prediction on what will, who would be playing in the NBA Finals in June if you can't predict who's in the NFL in the Super Bowl in February. I'm going to just go out on a limb. <laughs> oh, well, that, 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 was a, that was a slick segue. I see you right there. Um, right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, see, the, the NBA doesn't have the parity that the NFL has. Um, so with the NBA, I am – I can say that the Lakers will probably represent the Western Conference and NBA Finals. And then in the East, I was the Bucks or the 76ers. Oh, okay. Okay, interesting. Well, yeah, let's, let's stick with the NBA discussion really quickly because there have been a ton of off-season. I mean, the draft is always – it's always fun to watch, but you just don't know what, how these guys are going to step into the league. So it's still so much up in the air. But we've seen some trades. We've seen some free agency moves that have literally shaken up the NBA. And you talk about the Lakers now being a team that you predict that can come out of the Western Conference. I am also a LeBron James fan, so I am team Lakers, so I love that. <laughs> um, but more importantly, you're supposed to be a 76ers also- fan. 
I I love watching the Sixers, but I'm Team LeBron. So it's 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 weird, but I've always been a LeBron James fan from back when he was in high school. No bandwagon fans here. Um, that being said, the the latest question that has really been up in the air is where does Russell Westbrook go? And I was talking about this earlier on the show. We know that Paul George, who claimed he was going to stay in OKC, as soon as Kawhi picked up the phone and called him, he's out. He's now in L.A. with the Clippers with Kawhi Leonard. Russ Westbrook, once again, left all alone on OKC and requesting a trade. What team do you think he ends up going to? And what team makes the best sense for him to go to, I should say? I've been hearing reports that the Miami Heat are interested and the feeling is mutual with Russell Westbrook. So I have a feeling that that is his best fit. Um, They obviously have uh, your former uh, Sixers player there and Jimmy Butler, and I think that will be a a good combination in Miami with uh, Butler playing uh, the forward or the two and you having Westbrook playing the point guard. Um, there are not many teams that are able to maneuver salary cap-wise to get Westbrook because his contract is so massive. And the Heat yeah. will have to do some reshuffling to get Westbrook as well. But I've been hearing that there's uh, interest from both parties. So I think the Miami Heat is the best fit for uh, Westbrook. All right. I have heard. Rumors of the Heat as well as the Rockets, which would be interesting from the link up with his former teammate, James Harden, who we haven't seen him play with since back when James Harden was just the sixth man on OKC and before he blew up. So I don't know. I mean, with Jimmy Butler down in Miami, who went to Miami allegedly to be the guy, which still doesn't fully make sense to me, leaving a Sixers team that is a championship contender, that would be interesting to see how he would how things would change if Russell goes there because Russell Westbrook would then become the guy. So who knows? But your predictions for the Lakers versus either the Bucks or Sixers stands out to me. Yeah. On the East, we saw some changes. Kemba Walker's in, in Boston now. We know Kyrie and Katie, once Katie gets back healthy, they're in Brooklyn. So why the Bucks and Sixers? I'm, I'm curious. I'm surprised you didn't say, although the Bucks are a good pick, I'm surprised you didn't say like the Celtics actually. Well, the Celtics, I'm not a believer in Kimba Walker being a superstar type player. He's a very good player. He's an all-star. But they got worse losing Kyrie Irving, and they got worse losing Al Holford. Um, As far as Jason Tatum, I think he's a potential all-star player, but I don't think he's there yet. Maybe in a a couple years he can get there. So Mm -hmm. the Celtics, they took two steps back. They lost two uh, perennial all-stars in Irving and Holford, so that's two steps back. So that's why I don't have them there. And then as far as the Bucks, I'm a firm believer in Giannis. I think he's okay. in the next three, four years, could be the best player in the NBA after LeBron retires. I know Anthony Davis and uh, other players will have something to say about that. But, I, I mean, reigning MVP Giannis, he, he is – outstanding. He just needs a jump shot. He's a jump shot away from being the best player in the NBA, and I think that's a few years down the line where he's going to get a consistent jump shot where teams will have to respect that ability. So that's why I have the Bucks there. And then as far as the Sixers, they did lose some talent. They lost J.J. Redick, 
and as we mentioned, Jimmy Butler, but they still have the best big man in the East and Joel Embiid. They got Ben Simmons, although I'm pretty confident in a game of horse. If we shoot, I can beat Ben Simmons. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so hopefully Ben Simmons is um, practice, practicing on his jumper as we speak because he needs it bad. He needs it in the worst way, in the worst way. Well, <laughs> I actually agree with your points. I do think Kemba Walker, we saw him in Charlotte. Uh, he had some incredible numbers and, and games with a team that was average at best. So if he can be the guy to help rally the Celtics to be back in the conversation of being a top team in the East, them, the Bucks, Giannis, and Giannis's brother, his older brother, is actually just signed to Milwaukee too. So we've got the Greek freak and the, the Greek freak senior, his Junior, part two? I don't know. Um, and then we've got <laughs> the Sixers, who to me are still in the air because, you know, I just, I'm not sure who's going to be the big offensive threat for them. I don't know if Tobias Harris, is, if he's going to step up. We know Ben Simmons' jump shot and perimeter game is non-existent. And we know Joel Embiid can't stay healthy. So they're inconsistent to me and a, and a big question mark, but they definitely have the potential. So you bring up some really great points. And, I thank you for joining us on, the, on Beyond the Headlines this week. I do want you to take a moment, let people know where they can follow you on social media because as we get into the NFL season and definitely when I get you back on the show to make your NFL predictions, um, plus, of course, the NBA as it unwinds, I, you've got a lot of great analysis and commentary that people would love to see. So where can we follow you? <laughs> okay, well, you can follow me on Twitter. My handle is at the Tyler Dragon, and you can read my work, see my video podcast on Cincinnati.com. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us on our very first episode of Beyond the Headlines. It has been a pleasure getting to talk football and basketball with you, and uh, I'm looking forward to having you back on in the future. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on and talking a little bit of NBA. I know I'm an NFL guy, but being able to talk <laughs> to NBA is a little bit refreshing, so thanks for having oh, me I'm on. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Thank you. All right, guys, joining us on our very first episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington, we have a soccer star and as referred to by the rest of the world, football star, Azmir Begovic, who is joining the show to share some details. So, Azmir, welcome to the show, and thank you for taking time to uh, be our very first guest of the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Renee. Very honored to be your first ever guest on the show. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Now, you currently play for AFC Bournemouth, and you have had a successful career at the professional level, playing with a number of top teams in the Premier League, such as Chelsea, SC Bournemouth. Can you talk to me about your background, getting to be a professional soccer player, playing the sport that you love, that you grew up watching your dad play, and now being someone that kids look up to and, and being the, you know, the next big, I guess, the next part of the generation that's now leading the world in, in football? Yeah, well, I mean, I was, I was originally born in uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, uh, I mean, 1987. Um, I only spent just under four years in Bosnia due to the war and the conflict that broke mm -hmm. out in the Balkans and the former Yugoslavia. So uh, my family had to uh, pick up all our stuff, pack up all our stuff, and um, 
and uh, head out. So uh, we, we then end up settling in Germany, where we spent six years, um, then moved to Canada, where I spent another six years, and I've been in the U.K., here playing playing soccer, professional soccer for the last uh, 16 or so years. So um, that's basically the main story. But my, my father was a goalkeeper, professional goalkeeper in the former Yugoslavia. So that's kind of what naturally made me pick up the gloves and go on goal and, and, and start my career from there. So when I was four or five, I started playing organized soccer and uh, I uh, never looked back. And that's all I ever wanted to do. And thankfully, you know, throughout the years, um, the opportunities came my way with yeah, with a bit of luck and and being at the right place at the right time, and and I was able to make a really good career for myself. But um, yeah, of course, it takes a lot of hard work and sacrifice. But it all sort of came naturally to me uh, through my father. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned your childhood growing up, having to move to escape um, war conflict at the time and the different adversity that you faced to overcome all of that. I mean, when you first set out at the age of four and five, you talk about wanting to be a professional football player. And here you are, you've done it, and you, what I'm sure was not an easy path. But for those kids that are aspiring, just like you were once aspiring to play at the highest level, you talked about the hard work that goes into it. What, what made your success possible? Well, I think um, dedication from an early age. Um, and I started playing, like I said, at four or five years of age, so I had uh, a head start. Um, I was lucky that my dad was my main coach. Uh, him having played at such a high level, that all very came natural to me. So I was able to get the right coaching from an early age, and then and then of course need the right opportunities. I mean, um, not only living in Germany, but then in Canada, you have to get into the right teams, have the right coaches, um, the right people see you at the right time. You know, I was able to start playing the youth national teams at about 15. Uh, that gives you the right exposure to hopefully get into into a professional league and a professional club. And um, that's where I was scouted originally and um, was able to to come to England for a couple of trials. And things worked out really well in that time. And um, the rest is history, as they say. So, um, you know, you have to have quite a few things go your way um, besides just working hard and, of course, sacrificing a lot and uh, really uh, dedicating yourself to your profession. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, your professional career started back in 2003 and looking over the years you have accomplished so much you know from even being the fifth goalkeeper to ever score a goal in the Premier League which that <laughs> 97 and a half yard goal is incredible um, do you have a moment that you look back on that was when you realized I've made it this is everything I've ever dreamed of uh you know, I've been very fortunate, um, as you say, to, to play at the highest level for quite a long time. And um, but overall, that there is there is some things that stick out. Uh, I think uh, my my Premier League debut um, in 2009 for Portsmouth. You know, that that was 10 years ago now. And you know, playing in the in the best league in the world is not uh, something you dream of, of course. And being able to make that debut and and and, and taking that step was was a big moment. Uh, of course, scoring the goal when I was at Stoke City. That was pretty cool. <laughs> I'm not going to deny it. So I've got the uh, Guinness Book of World Records certificate here in my study at my house. So Ooh, uh, that's a that nice moment. Awesome. And then, of course, yeah, that, that is pretty cool. Thank you. And <laughs> and then um, from, I think, an international point of view, representing my country um, is quite a it's quite an honor. And then playing in the World Cup in such a major tournament in Brazil in 2014 was up there with, um, yeah, with definitely one of the best moments of my career. 
Yeah, and you actually mentioned representing your country. You originally were representing Canada in the World Cup as a, back in 2007 and then decided to change and, and represent your, your native country. What was that moment like for you to be able to, not, again, not everybody can even represent one country. You were able to represent two and be a part of the World Cup in 2014 and help them reach the first, the, their first ever World Cup. And being a part of that and having, you know, your country across your, your jersey and all the people watching, especially knowing how much Bosnia has overcome, um, take us through that, that experience of, of what that was like. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a pretty crazy process. I um, obviously lived in Canada, uh, was representing all the youth national teams, as you said, you know, from under 15 to under 20s. Um, and then I was even involved with the national team, the, the senior team, a couple of times, but it was never capped. So I guess the opportunity to play for Bosnia always existed, was always there, was always rumored about. And when that call came, um, it, you know, it was a big moment because I, I you know, I, I grew attached to Canada, of course, um, so it was a difficult decision. But ultimately, for, for the best interest of my family, wanting to represent my home country, um, and probably for football reasons at the time as well, it was the best decision for me to go to play for Bosnia. And, and then, of course, when you, when you do pull on that shirt and you have a lot of your family members um, through different generations being at these games and representing them as much as you are your country, then, of course, it's a very, very special thing. And, you know, I look at those... Um, Memories in a really uh, fun way. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure I I know that has to have had uh, or had to have given you a lot of pride and accomplishment to now be able to represent Bosnia, much like you represented Canada at the international level. So a lot of a lot of great things. And again, this is Azmir Begovic who's joining the show beyond the headlines with Renee Washington, just sharing his experiences now being a part of the Premier League, which is one of the best and most watched leagues around the world. I know so many people here in America that are constantly watching on their phone, following social media, whatever it may be, and playing with Bournemouth. You know, this thing was not probably what you guys wanted. <laughs> but um, what what's next to move forward and, and be able to be a top team in the league? Yeah, well, I think, it's, like you said, it's, it's one of the top leagues. It's definitely the most competitive league in mine from top to bottom, so... You know, I think it's it's constantly constantly trying to improve. Yeah, Bournemouth, Bournemouth now we've been in the Premier League four years. It's our fifth season coming up. So um, it's just about continuously trying to push yourself and improve and play in this league and stay at the highest level as, as long as we can. And, of course, if we can, um, on top of that, you know, maybe get into one of the cup competitions and have a run there and compete mm-hmm. for a trophy, then, then that would be great too. So I think there's plenty of room for the club to grow, to establish it at the highest level, um, and I think that gives us a lot of motivation all around. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you feel like there was um, a time this season that you really saw the potential that you guys are moving in the right direction? Yeah, no, I think we, um, the previous season, we had a really good start with the first half of the season. The second half of the season was quite terribly problematic, a lot of injuries and things, so that made it very difficult for us to continue the the good run of form that we, we were on, but you know, when when we play at our highest level and the potential that we have in this team, then I don't think we can give anyone anyone problems. Of course, you know, I think we mm-hmm. live within our means. Uh, the club only has so many resources, so it's tough to really compete against some of the biggest clubs in this league. But 
no, we really try our best, and um, you know, I think on on our day we can beat anybody. Yeah, injuries are definitely a huge part of it. You know, I mean, playing so many games, logging so many minutes, it happens, and then unfortunately, as you mentioned, it it keeps you from being able to play at your best sometimes. But that is something that's very positive. You guys are able to keep everyone healthy and you know keep working to build with having everybody on the field that makes it so much easier so as a goalkeeper you have a completely different perspective of the game you know I was a forward and midfielder I have so much respect for goalies because you guys really have you know you're you're the last anchor you're the general of the defense you know is there one specific player that you feel like you work best with and they are always on the same page as you you know, whatever you know, whatever the other team throws at you, you you guys are always on the same page of where you know where you should be forcing them or or how you should be matched up. Well, I think um, I think it's difficult to say uh, pick out just one player. I think ultimately um, we have to um, we have to work as a unit. You know, the goalkeeper has to really work with his defense in front of him and. Um, become a unit I think the more continuity we can have in that regard and build up that relationship then then the better it is you know so I think from from that point of view I think it's more of a unit thing um the more settled that team is and you of course you build those personal relationships with with those players in front of you also so I think from that it's just about the collective group um really building the the know-how and um and trying to take that to a really strong level Great answer. Absolutely. I mean, the trust has to be there for all of you guys, not just not just that's, on one. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. So now let's switch gears a little bit here and get into your nonprofit that you created specifically to help get more kids involved at the youth level. So why did you decide to create it? And, and for those that aren't aware of, of your foundation, can you tell us what it's all about? Yeah, I mean, it's it's called the Asma Begovic Foundation. It's something that we started um, about five and a half years ago now. And um, I was always passionate about giving back before. You know, I was very lucky to, to live my dream, play football for, for a living. And, um, you know, I always wanted to give back. And especially I'm quite attached to my home country in Bosnia. So I wanted to help that country re- rebuild after all the conflict and everything that happened in the past and, and really give kids an opportunity to play sports because um, the the – demand and the desire for the kids to play sports and hopefully achieve the dreams like I have then is, is very, very high. So it's just about creating those opportunities, and that's where we've been involved. We Our goal is to build sports facilities either from scratch or rebuild current ones. Um, so we've done a few projects projects ourselves. Um, we're involved with schools and other, and other sports centers. Uh, but our ultimate goal is to build our, own, build our own facility and really have everything in our own control and being able to give a, a huge amount of kids an opportunity to play and have fun and and um, maybe maybe create amazing memories like I have. So um, it's something we really we're really passionate about. We hope to keep it going for quite a long time. For any more information, obviously we have our website, the uh, AzerbaijanBeggarsFoundation dot com, um, and we're on we're on all social media platforms. So if you want any more information, any more information on the projects that we've done, then I think that's the best place to go. Awesome. Definitely worth following. I love all that you guys are doing. And I think one thing that really stands out is the fact that you are so hands-on. You're not just throwing camps. You know, you're not just giving out t-shirts or, or having, you know, guest appearances. You have a variety of events to all work back to the same common goal, which is to help build. 
you know, and improve. And that's something that goes a long way when you talk about wanting to build your own facilities and allow op- more opportunities for kids to play. And uh, that's incredible to give back to the next generation. What's next for the Esmer Begovich Foundation? I know you had some golf events. I know you had some things recently, yeah. but... Uh, yeah, we've literally um, recently, two months ago, had our um, had our yearly fundraiser, which is a golf day. It's the ABF uh, Golf Classic, um, which which comes. You know, we we were so blessed with it. We great. We get such amazing support by people and sponsors and celebrities. People will come out and support our cause, and um, you know, we're very much looking forward to next year. Um, but now it's our it's our mission to try and build a sports center back home in Bosnia where we can mm-hmm. have our own football pitch, tennis courts, all this kind of stuff where kids can train nonstop 24-7 uh, throughout the year and really really start to, to maybe maybe push themselves to get to the highest level. So that that's what's next for us is about taking that project, acquiring the land, and uh, hopefully building and constructing this thing um, as soon as possible. Wow. Exciting things to come. Now, for someone yeah. like myself that's not – in the area and can't just and can't be present what are ways that people can support your foundation yeah um like i said we have our website asmerbeggarsfoundation.com uh keep up to date with all our projects um things we've got going on pictures of videos of projects that we've done and created in the past um we're on instagram twitter facebook so you can follow us there and see what we're up to donate if you'd like um being part of the cause so those are the best ways to keep really up to date with what we're up to, and um, I think that gives people a really good idea what you know the foundation stands for. Incredible, incredible! So you're doing awesome things on and off the field, Admir, and thank you so much for joining me on Beyond the Headlines to take some time to, to share your background and tell your story a little bit. I was we could spend more time because I know I was researching and looking into your upbringing, your family, your soccer career, and there's so many things you've done and overcome that it's, it's truly remarkable to have you on the show. Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. <laughs> Only on Beyond the Headlines, this is Beyond the Headlines. We're Renee Washington. In our positive vibes only segment, excuse me, positive vibes only segment here on Beyond the Headlines, joining us, we have out of Maryland, Dr. Nicole Rochester, a pediatrician and also professional health advocate and mom of two young adult daughters. So, Dr. Nicole Rochester, welcome to the show. Thank you, Renee. Thank you so much for having me. No problem. And I'm happy to have you on the show to talk about for you specifically having worked in the area of student-athletes and the important uh, steps they need to take to make sure that they're managing their physical health uh, as they prepare for their upcoming sport, whatever, whatever sport they might be playing, uh, I'm, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on all that. So tell me and tell everyone else, what really made you get involved in being more than just a pediatrician but also a health advocate? Yeah, you know, I I have found through my life that my life experiences really have shaped my career path. And if you had told me a few years ago that I was going to be anything other than a pediatrician, I absolutely would not have believed you. But um, back in 2010, my older sisters and I uh, helped to care for our dad. And that was such an eye-opening experience, being a family caregiver and seeing 
the struggles and the challenges of our healthcare system from the other side of it. And so, you know, after he passed away, unfortunately, three years later, and I just was compelled. I just kept thinking back to all the instances where I was able to get my dad the health care that he needed, mainly because of my professional background, my medical knowledge, my influence, whatever you want to call it. And it really kind of angered me, and it just made me think about the millions of other people out here who are trying their best to care for loved ones and don't have that extra benefit. And so I actually left my full-time job in 2017. Actually, yesterday was exactly two years. And oh, wow. And I a health advocacy company. And I really, you know, my mission is just to empower and educate patients and family caregivers so that they can really understand this healthcare system and be able to advocate for themselves and get the best care. Wow. That's, well, I'm sorry to hear about your dad, and I'm, but I'm happy to hear Thank all the you. great things that you're doing. And you actually have, you wrote a book about this. You took it a step farther. So you're not yeah. just talking to talk, but you're providing an opportunity for people to be able to read about these tips that you have in your book, The Healthcare Navigation 101, A Guide for College-Bound Students, I mean, talk to me about what readers could expect from your book in terms of the tips that you're sharing. Sure. Yeah, I just want to preface it by saying that, once again, you know, it was a life experience. So you mentioned I have two adult daughters, one, one of whom has finished college. My younger daughter started her freshman year uh, last fall. And as I was preparing her to go off to school, she is a student athlete. She runs track and does some um, long jump. And so as I was kind of prepping her, about the healthcare industry and about, like, what should she do when she gets sick and remembering some of the mistakes that I made with my oldest daughter and some right. of the phone calls that I got when my oldest daughter got sick. So I tried to do a better job with my younger daughter. And as I was prepping her and making her do things like make her own doctor's appointment, go pick up her own prescription, I thought about the fact that, you know, many, all the kids need this information, just not my daughter. So I decided to write a book. And really, it is a guide that ideally should be read by both the student in college or the student going off to college and their parent. And it really just addresses all of the things that most parents don't think about. You know, we, I remember last year being totally focused initially on, you know, the shopping list and, like, getting things for her dorm and making sure that we had, you know, paid the bill and making sure that her books were ordered and all those things. And those things are, of course, very important. But no one stops to think about the fact that we are literally throwing these kids to the wolves. You know, we're sending them yeah. off to communicate uh, independently, to deal with the healthcare system that most of us struggle with. And, you know, they don't have that trusted parent there. They don't have that pediatrician that they've been seeing, many of them, for their entire lives. And so there's a lot of things that they need to know, and we don't adequately prepare them for that transition. So that's really the purpose of the book. Yeah, I love that because, I mean, now, as you mentioned, in the summer, after students are graduating from high school, or even in between, you know, one college year to the next, it's more about prepping for that upcoming fall. And as you talk about buying, you know, decorations for your dorm room and matching mm -hmm. bedding and things like that. But what about the most important part, your health and your safety? Exactly. So that is something that I think a lot of people might – take for granted or just not even realize the value of really having that those conversations and really finding ways to prepare their children. Absolutely. That's incredible. So now, what's something that you have really been seeing um, 
that might stand out. You talk about the the struggle in transitioning to being a young adult. And I know even for myself, I'm 26 years old, I still feel like I have a million questions about the mm-hmm. healthcare system because it is not easy to, to read <laughs> it and thoroughly understand everything. So what's something that you really see as maybe like one of the biggest things that stand out that are a common either mis- misunderstanding or a question that people just aren't really sure about in terms of healthcare? Sure. I think one of the biggest um, pitfalls and one of the things that a lot of families find themselves dealing with are, are not understanding their health insurance. So, you know, m- many students go off to school in a different state, and many parents um, erroneously assume that their health insurance plan will cover their student in this other state. And there are some health insurance plans where there is absolutely no coverage other than emergencies, and I mean like true emergencies. And then there are other plans where those services may be covered, but you may have to pay a lot more out of pocket. And so, um, you know, many parents, what happens is the kids go off to school, and again, because they're not accustomed to managing their own health care, you know, they may have an injury or an illness that's relatively minor, but because they're not accustomed to navigating the system, their knee-jerk response, particularly if it's on a weekend or after hours, is to go to the emergency room. And so I've had so many friends and family members and clients tell me stories where, you know, they got this bill for like $300, $500, where their child went to the local emergency room. And so there's several things there. A, you know, there probably were some alternatives that the student could have pursued. And then B, the parent didn't even know that they needed to check their health insurance policy before their student went off to school so that both of them have a clear understanding of what is covered. Wow, that makes complete sense. And I just learned something myself. (laughs) (laughs) That is definitely something, I mean, when you talk about insurance, there's no, you know, guide or there there are, but there's no easy way to figure out all this information until, unfortunately, in some cases, you're being billed for it. (laughs) That's exactly right. Wow. So what are you, what's the really big focus that you're doing now to take your tips and your advice to the next step? I mean, you've written a book, you're, you're constantly speaking up and, and advocating for more awareness, especially with young adults around the college age, but what can we really expect that's next for you to really spread that awareness and spread your message? So I've had a few speaking engagements already, and that's really the next step for me. You know, I really want to disseminate this information widely, and I really enjoy speaking in person and being able to interact with, you know, family caregivers, with patients, um, with students and their parents. And, um, and so that's really the next step for me is to, um, you know, ha- have additional opportunities to get this message out. I would love to begin speaking on the college campuses as part of their new student orientation Also, you know, catching them in high school during some of those senior meetings that they have before they graduate. And in terms of, you know, the um, aging adults and their family caregivers, just continuing to speak at conferences and just really giving um, individuals the information that will help them to to really be able to effectively get the health care that they need and deserve. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, it goes across all age demographics because it's as you're getting older, you're constantly, you know, being put into a situation that might be different than what you're used to in terms of healthcare. 
you know, and you talk right. about your experiences and how that has really influenced your, your work, but that's phenomenal, honestly, and I hope that people Thank really you. do take time to understand that these tips that, my, from what I see anyways, are very minor tips that can go a long way. You know, these are things yeah. that can not only help you financially, but of course with your actual health, which is the biggest concern to making sure that you're getting the care that you need. Very true. Incredible. So where are some of these events? Are you trying to do more locally right now, I guess more in like the Maryland area, or are you working to build a team? Yeah, I definitely, I've done some workshops um, locally here in Maryland. I've done some caregiver conferences. I've also done workshops specifically geared towards the um, high school audience and those going off to college. Um, So I really would love to be able to do that in, you know, not just in the state of Maryland or in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, but to be able to branch out and um, and offer, you know, this information more broadly. Right, right. Well, there you have it. Now is the time. No time like the present to start figuring out information to help yourself, your kids, your loved ones prepare for any types of uh, issues they may face in terms of their health. So, Dr., I I have to ask before we wrap this up, where can we find your work in in terms of your book and also just anything you're doing on social media? Oh, thank you. So um, you can find me on my website, which is uh, www.yourgpsdoc.com. You can also find me on social media uh, at your GPS doc and also at the GPS doc. The book is available on Amazon and again it's Healthcare Navigation 101. There's a longer title, but if you type that in, you can definitely find it. And there's a short link, uh, bit.ly forward slash Dr. Nicole book. Yeah, there you go. Make sure you guys follow along as you are doing something that I have not seen. And that's partly why I want to have you on our positive vibes only segment. Doc, I mean, I, I don't see these opportunities and resources readily available for people to just be able to ask a question. You know, you're, you, you're a mother, you're um, a, a pediatrician, you're a healthcare advocate, you check a lot of boxes, you've had a lot of experiences and knowledge that you can provide to people, and you don't often get that help. So thank you so much for taking time to join us and talk about all that you're up to. And I guess my final question for you would be, if there's something specific that you would want people to take away from this. You know, you talk about all that is important in terms of knowing your, your health care, your insurance, you know, knowing your resources, knowing simple things like I saw your first aid kit that, that uh, students can have in their dorm. What is something that yeah. you want to take away from this for, for listeners? I, I think the, the main thing that I always like people to take away is that you are the expert for your medical condition, you know, for you. If you're a family caregiver, you are the expert. And I think one of the things that I hear, unfortunately, most commonly, is just kind of a lack of um, regard for, um, you know, concerns and things of that nature, and particularly, you know, from the patients and from the family caregiver perspective. And so many people are intimidated by healthcare Mm. professionals, and so they will know in their gut that something is wrong, and they will hold back because they are dismissed. And so I just want to say to my, you know, teens and young adults listening all the way up to, you know, 100 plus years old, don't ever feel intimidated in healthcare settings. You know what you're talking about. You know your body. You know your loved ones. 
health and body better than anyone else. And so, all right, guys, I hope you've been enjoying the very first episode of Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington. I'm hoping that you'll come back each week, every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time here on Fox Sports Radio, 96.9 FM, 1340 AM, also on iTunes. You can watch our show on YouTube. You can follow us on social media at Beyond the Headlines with Renee Washington and check out our website, which is on my personal site, ReneePWashington.com. And of course, I'm your host, Renee, so be sure to follow me on social media too because I'm going to be asking you guys questions, getting your input, getting your feedback, and letting you comment in and weigh in on our discussion each week of Beyond the Headlines. So before we close the show, I promised you guys a hit and new breed nye out of Atlanta, Georgia, Nyrick Evans. Be sure to give him a follow on social media too while you're at it. He's got a song for you guys that'll have you either chair dancing quietly at work or up out of your seat or maybe in your car, wherever you are. I know it's always got me singing and dancing. So new breed night to close out the show. Thank you guys again for listening. Have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. Stay motivated and keep doing what you love each and every day. All right. I'll see you guys next Wednesday. New breed night. Take it away. Speakers train. See you rock your hips, see you talk your shit. Ain't worried about it, don't worry about it, nigga. Tell them where I take my bitch. Listen, my checks deposit. Eat good, no diet. I can't get quiet. Why? I'm so up, up, up. I ain't never coming down. Ran it up, up, up. Man, I got like 10 accounts. Why? My checks deposit. Eat good, no diet. I can't get quiet. I can't get quiet. Try to shut me up, oh no, man. I'm moving, I'm working, I'm swerving, my fans delighted I'm tied in on the high end, but I need my phones on the back end <laughs> I did the race, I blew the cake, it's time to go cashing I see the look on they faces, they betting me like I'm Vegas My diamonds back, I'm a racist, like Central 5 dropped the cases They pointed me out, now I just made a move I'm winning so much, I had to call the truth Hush more, Girl, you bite them lips and you rock your hips and you talk your shit. Ain't worried about it, don't worry about it. Tell them where I take my bitch. Listen, my checks deposit. Eat good, no diet. I can't get quiet. Why? I'm so up, up, up. I ain't never coming down. Ran it up, up, up. Man, I got like 10 accounts. Why? My checks deposit. Eat good, no diet. If I got the pick of the litter, I'd rather go pick up my new thing. I see that girl in the crowd and she chanting and screaming like, hooray. I need a bottom mimosa. She tell me, baby, come closer. Brown skin, call her mocha. Bite back, call her cobra. If I'm up top, I know these niggas hate to see me now. They gambled on my name and now it's time to go cash out. I gave some thanks to God with hallelujahs and a shout. And looking at me, baby, man, I know they proud of us. And you rock your hips and you talk your shit. Ain't worried about it, don't worry about it. Tell the boy I take my bitch. Listen, my 
checks deposit Eat good, no diet I can't keep quiet Why? I'm so up, up, up I ain't never coming down Ran it up, up, up Man, I got like 10 accounts Why? My checks deposit Eat good, no diet I can't keep quiet I can't keep quiet